0: In frothy September 1st 2021 we look back at round 14 an eventful round 14 and uh and later on in our second show we'll look forward to buy round um so Barney and Ollie are with us as always David good to see you smiling there my friend what's news
1: well apparently we're going back 10 weeks so that'll be interesting <laughs> had some time to work out how the games went mm. Now going good mate cracker of a day so I was out mm. in the truck again, which was nice. Spring out in the sun, has sprung. In the, indeed. How's Oliver
2: going today? Yeah, I'm great. I wake up, I'd say, about 5am, went for a run. Um, yeah, you know, just got out um, amongst nature and um, enjoyed it. And then, yeah, came home, cleaned the entire house. Um, yeah, very productive. It's been great.
0: So you're on speed now as well? <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> uh it's a big effort after the 4 a.m. bedtime, but well done. Um, let's get into some footy, though. Oh, actually, yeah, speaking of the truck, just quickly, Barn, you're probably not looking forward to summer. If this is spring, uh, you might have that aircon cranking.
1: Yeah, and the, the fridge in the back does help. That's <laughs> During true. During those 40-degree days, I, I do find myself laying in the back of the refrigerated truck for about 15, 20 minutes at different times of the day, so...
0: Kudos to your employee for that uh, incredibly hygienic process you all follow. Um, I guess the big news of the week, boys, is the Luttrell situation. He's taken the early please six weeks for the shots. Manu obviously is out for the year. They're saying six weeks, maybe, but Roosters th- have to obviously make the GF. For that to be a reality, what did you make of the whole ordeal,
1: David? Oh, it looked horrible, obviously, in slow motion. It makes it look even worse. Yeah. Um, he came flying across with, you know, it uh, was it was going to be a shoulder charge no matter what I think. So he probably would have got two or three weeks for a shoulder charge, yep. even if he didn't collect him in the head, so um, obviously his uh, his starting level was way too high. It didn't help that um, that Manu dropped a, a fraction, but I think he would have gone close to hitting him in the throat no matter what. Anyway, so it was pretty careless, and it's been graded reckless. So, Ollie.
2: Uh, d- ditto did I what Barney said? Um, I guess I'm happy with the result in terms of the time Latrell's being suspended for. It does sort of line up with uh, Joey Manu and the time he's going to miss the rest of the year. So realistically, it's only fair for Latrell to miss the same amount of time. And obviously I don't think he would have been suspended for as long had he not had that loading from earlier in the year. The call itself to Sinbin Bin Luttrell instead of send him off was a bit odd. I know we're not really in a crackdown anymore, but we go back to magic round and he definitely gets sent off. Right.
1: Well that's it, worse than anything that we've seen this year. I'm pretty sure
0: it's it. Yeah. it it's as bad as the, uh, the, who was it? The Fuimono who'd hit Teddy? The hit Pappy. Ah, uh, te- oh, Pappy. Sorry.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, easily as bad as that, if not worse. Same yeah. as the we're and Naira one. Um, like, yeah, I think it's probably the worst we've seen all year, to be honest. And I'm surprised it wasn't sent off. And the fact that it took so long for him to pick it up is obviously why we're still talking about it. You know, everyone's just blowing up about it all day. It's all year on the on the sports channels, on the radio, on the obviously the the NRL pages and in the in the TV shows, but um, yeah, I'm surprised it got missed for that long, to be honest. I saw it. Like, I know everyone says they missed it in the coverage, but I saw it as soon as it happened. <laughs> but it did not look good. You know the they give up as well, when you talk reckless and, it, and even when you talk
0: intent, the way he followed through with his arm, it was almost yeah. like, oh, I'm not sure if I got you, I'll try.
1: Make sure you well, It's half yeah. a
0: haymaker. Um, yeah, it was. So, yeah, I, six weeks I think they're very smart to have taken the six weeks and just start again. Do yeah. uh, you finishing a point, Ollie? Or did,
2: no, no, a, no, I made my
0: uh, point. The, yeah, the concern for me is is Latrell. Uh, obviously, we all we're all on record for twenty five rounds talking about how much we love Latrell, but he um, he does want to play the star player card and uh, uh, to a, le- a lesser extent the indigenous star card and the social media troll card and stuff like that. And I don't think you can. I think you've then got to hold yourself to some decent standards as well if you're going to
1: do that. Is that fair in in saying? Yeah, I think so. I think you find the majority of the time he's pretty good. Um, he does play, you know, he plays very up tempo, but he's definitely got a bit of grub in him. When um, either they get behind or he gets that little bit too pumped up, he does he does sort of lose the plot at <laughs> different times in different matches.
0: Yeah, he um he gets angry and he plays better footy when he's angry. But then there's I guess that's the eye spinning thing. Um, But he's now the most suspended player of this year. Uh, And obviously there's now heavy carryover heading into future years too, which is a concern. So he either has to try and tread lightly going forward or he's going to almost be Adrian Morley, (laughs) dare I say Jack Hetherington level, which is maybe unfair on on Jack at the moment. But uh, yeah, a concern. Uh, I said straight away, obviously, the injury looked like one of those MMA injuries, which was an orbital or a cheekbone. Uh, And the, the trick to them is do not blow because that's when the blood goes straight to your cheek, and that's exactly what Joey did. Uh, he didn't take it well, obviously, and uh, I think from all reports he was trying to understand why, I suppose.
2: Yeah. Well, apparently Latrell and um, and Joey are actually pretty good mates, or at least they were while Latrell was at the Roosters. So I, I think the, the bit that really got Joey, and you can sort of see when he gone up and, and was asking him, is, you know, why would close mate of his yeah. do something so vicious and obviously we can say that there was an internal the I think that was, was that was injury, literally what he said wasn't it why yeah. like you were saying why mate pretty but, sure yeah, yeah. because he, and I think he said to him I think he said you've just ended my season so yeah for someone who you consider a close mate to do that I'm sure it need um it stings that bit more
1: I'm pretty sure they shared a the house together when they when they were playing together at the Roosters and yeah, um, yeah. That, as I said, if he starts that a meter lower, he probably hits him in the ribs. He might have broken a couple of ribs, but everyone to now would be applauding what he did, you know what I mean? Yeah, so <laughs> it's just a matter of the guys. want to go up and around, up and around the chest, and as soon as you get above the armpits, it's just, it's just fraught with danger, no matter what type of tackle you're trying to make. So,
0: yeah, and when he came back on, obviously, I think he just had you get. Yeah. You know, it, Barney, we, I've been there, it's hard to believe, uh, the old white line fever, once your head starts spinning, it's <laughs> you just want to get in and, and either hurt someone or, you know, do right by whether you think it's right or by your team, and sometimes you cool down afterwards and go, oh, probably carrying like a bit of a pork chop there, so I assume he'll just be um, seconded away for the, from public eye for a while and they'll start again next yep.
1: year reports, he's actually he's taken himself off social media, and obviously that's another thing to come off the back of this. The ridiculous idiots with death threats and threats against yeah. his family and all the rest of that kind of shit. Like it's not that hard to be nice to people or just ignore them. Realistically, like I don't know why people have to go to that fucking end to you yeah. know go that far to start threatening people's lives and whatever over a game of football. Sure, it wasn't great, but come on.
0: Yeah. Do you have much more to add to this? Uh, I guess. Justice is more or less being served in a in a way and we'll move on, hopefully learns. Uh the other big news from the week is Josh Morris has made it official he'll be retiring at the end of the year. Did you want to pay some tribute? You paid some nice words to Beamoz. Uh Josh obviously a class probably the the only defensive centre that was able to handle Greg Inglis at his best for a couple of years there. Um they had to really mount an origin to stop G. I at his best, uh, one of those years. Uh, yeah, they brought him back once or twice to do a yeah. job on the eclipse. So uh,
1: <laughs> maybe did. one of the
0: last great defensive centres. The way the Cobbs going, but, Absolutely. absolutely um, all time in the top ten all time try scorers. Tremendous centre barn. Yeah, did you want to say anything
1: more? Yeah, oh, all those things and more, mate. Um, obviously, he was—he's never as quick as his brother. He was pretty damn close to it, but <laughs> he was—he was. Um, he, he was um, In his heyday, as his brother, he would have been considered in the top three centres running around for a good part of his career. Um, Big, strong body, great in defence, and right up there in attack as well. Had a nice offload, um, short passing game, and could read a game of football. Um, Both of those guys seem to have a really smart head on the way a game of football is being played, and they can read a defence and an attack, and yeah, uh, brilliant player. Loved him when he was at the Sharks, and I was disappointed to see him when he left as well. So,
2: Yeah, with uh, Josh Morris, there's one thing that sort of comes to mind. It's the 2019 Origin Series, which we alluded to, where he'd actually announced, I think it was a couple of years before, that he was retired from rep football, but New South Wales have pretty much got to the bottom of the barrel. They had to pick him. He had to come in and do a job and he did that job. And I think that's just a credit to the guy he is they needed to bring back the reliable superstar that I guess we didn't know if he still had it in him to play at origin level. And that for that one game he played, he was great.
0: Yep. Yep. Um, any other news from the week, boys? Obviously, there's a few injury, little injuries flying around and suspensions and whatnot, but given uh, most teams are resting everyone next week, I, I didn't think it was worth writing down and, and going through one by one, as we usually do. So I guess we'll move on, unless there's anything else pressing there, Ollie? Uh,
2: n- nothing major. The only thing that sort of come out a bit today that I've seen is a a bit on Blake Ferguson's future. Obviously there's not really been too much interest from him or he's not really been linked to many places, but a couple of months ago, um, the super rugby team, the Western force, their CEO actually came (laughs) and it it was brought up again today uh, to say that it looks like he's heading there. Um, they actually came out and said they were interested in signing him and they were actively trying to sign him. Um, we can now take that as the likely destination for him in 2022. um, I saw a report that um,
0: Parramatta might even re-sign him now.
2: Well, it wouldn't be the the worst idea, um, especially with the, the little form slump that Hayes Dunst has been in. And I had a look at Ferguson's stats from this season. He had a relatively poor 2020, but he's actually been good this year. There was that weird period where he was injured and then dropped or not brought back into the team. I don't know. I guess because BA wanted to persist with the Sevo Dunster connection, um, as Ferguson was told at the start of the year by Parramatta that they weren't going to re-sign him. Um, but yeah, when he has played, he's been good. So,
0: well, yeah, the two. The, he was one of the better players this week, and there was one game he was. Was it the Canberra game? It was about their best
1: player as well. You almost carried him that game. Last two weeks, he's been very good. Um, Majority of the year, he's been quite good. I think, as as Ollie alluded to, I think he's only been left out of that team majority of the time because they told him to look elsewhere. So Mm. otherwise, he would have been playing. Um, I don't know. It depends if he wants to still play in NRL. He'd probably end up being a backup somewhere if an NRL team does sign him, I would imagine, more than a a front running um, starting winger. But. So oh, the thing is, go. he's still
0: a big body, he still carries. Uh, he, he's got some defensive issues, got some <laughs> catching issues sometimes, but he can also um, put on six or eight, uh, six or 12 points uh, out of nowhere as well.
1: Yeah, it's definitely worth a go somewhere, but who depends? You know, most teams that seem to have their wingers sort of sorted at the moment. That's
0: so. true. Uh, do you have a peanut of the week, Oliver?
2: I do have a peanut of the week and it's more a general thing. So there are probably even people listening to this who might fall into this category, but I noticed after the Melbourne loss, a lot of people saying, oh, Melbourne needed that loss heading into the finals. I don't necessarily subscribe to the theory that a team that's running hot in form heading into the finals necessarily needs to lose a game before they get there. I get the argument behind it sort of to, you know, cool things down for a bit sort of make you reassess and sort of change the way you play to help you get to that next level heading into the finals. But take this Melbourne storms team, for example, they didn't need to lose to Parramatta on the weekend um, to still be fit and firing heading into the finals. My opinion of them has not changed at all. Um, Whether they would have won or lost, I, I still think they're a champion side and they're deserved favorites to win their comp. And yeah, I, The only difference that I think it's really made is that Melbourne aren't resting as many players against Cronulla this week because they want to get that, excuse me, that win back before the finals. So, yeah, I guess people who say a team, a hot team heading into the finals needs to lose before getting there if they want to do well. I I just don't really believe in that too much. We might
0: save the, we'll save the Melbourne debate for that game because, yeah, got to Probably a couple of thoughts as well, but we, we might save that till we get into that, which won't be far away. Um, it is the last round, so the M Awards are up very shortly. So after this week, I guess I will – we haven't discussed this. All our production <laughs> meetings happen on air. What I might do is tell GT to send them directly to me, uh, and I'll open them officially on the air. Is that fair? And we can react – you guys can react – uh yeah. live and, and yeah, that's fine. i I gave him a tap on the shoulder last week, telling
1: him to get all his stuff up to date.
0: So. Yeah. So John, well, I'll get him all in. Do you want us to do it now, or should we wait till I'll get the stuff in? But should we give him a, a week's grace, and we might do it semi-final time when we've only got two games to to talk about? Maybe give him a, a week in between. What do you think?
2: Yeah,
1: sounds good. Yeah,
0: cool. do, do it after the first lot of Yeah, semi-finals. so we'll get through. Yeah. Uh, we'll get we'll knock out the four teams first and. All the two teams first and, and get Push. there. Um, excellent. So finals we need a finals player of the year, I suppose, or uh, something after Barney. So send us your <laughs> your names uh, for the, the Barney trophies we had into finals player of the year. Uh, but beyond that, uh, a few other no other real notes we need to address. We'll talk about the E C and the um, and the supercoach in the second part. Uh, But let's get into Thursday night game. Newcastle, 15, defeated the Titans, 14, on the back of a Mitchell Pearce field goal. What did the stats say here, Mark?
1: Yes, it was two tries apiece, two out of two conversions for the Knights, one out of two for the Titans. Uh, One out of one field goals for Newcastle, and both teams missed a two-point attempt. One out of one penalties. Played two out of two for the Titans. 75% played 86% completion, 30 out of 40 sets, 32 out of 37 for the Titans. 170 post contact meters plus for the Titans. Two line breaks to five, 22 tackle busts to, to played 28, seven offloads to eight, four force dropouts by the Titans, a 40 20 by Newcastle, 351 tackles played 326. One ruck infringement to two, two inside the 10s by the Titans. Four penalties conceded on either side. 11 errors by Newcastle, five by the Gold Coast. Frizzell made 43 tackles. Tino made 41. Hunt with 185 metres and Sammy with 210. Uh, Bradman Best made 19 tackles, missed eight. Tawala missed four. Kelly made eight and missed three. Uh, Fafita with 85 supercoach points. Ponga with 80. Sammy with 75. Uh, Ollie, you can go first and then I'll, I'll have my
0: say.
2: Yeah, well, the first thing I want to say, heading into this game earlier in the afternoon, I had a mate um, actually message me and say as a joke, oh, I can't wait for the Titans to lose due to a Mitchell Pierce field goal winning the game for Newcastle. And I sent it in the group chat and, of course, afterwards um, I was bombarded with messages. Um, but yeah, this was a bit of a, a somber game, I guess, for obvious reasons. The Titans are still a chance to make the top eight, but boy, it would have, uh, would have helped a lot to have beaten Newcastle. And they were the Titans were looking the better side, at least for that, the majority of that first half, I would say. And then the drop-off came, I don't know why, and the Titans sort of tried to get back into it towards the end and it, it was just too late. Obviously, it was 14 all, but... Uh, the Mitchell-Pierce field goal was enough to get the job done for the Knights. So I thought, uh, in particular, Tyson Frizzell was immense in this game. Um, I know Barney's been bringing up a lot. I think both of you have actually been bringing him up a lot this year, how good he has been and sort of how underrated he's been. Um, I definitely noticed that in this game. Um, and from the Titans, uh, Jaden Campbell still playing great. Uh, Fafita did what he caught off the bench, I suppose. But, um, yeah, I feel like he... He needs to. I haven't actually seen the team list for the Titans Warriors game, but I feel like he needs to be starting that game.
0: Yeah, 48 minutes from him. I thought Titans were the better team for 60 minutes and easily. I thought Newcastle played like rubbish for a lot of it. They looked like if they didn't have Caelan Ponga in the team, it looked like there wouldn't have been a chance of scoring. Uh, then Mitchell Pierce started getting his hand on the ball a lot more. It turned the game uh, just some good kicking, a bit of a sound game management, and just got him set up and obviously the clutch field goal. But they were able to manage their way, not necessarily by being a better team, but just were able to manage their way into having enough ball in that last twenty to, to wrestle the game back. Uh, I thought, I thought up until then they were, they were woeful. If you take Ponga and Pierce out, of this team it, this is a, a bottom four team. But luckily, they've got them. Uh, yeah, you mentioned Frizzell had some good moments. Barnett's, Barnett, uh, I still think they they didn't offer much. But like you mentioned Bradman best eight people are still talking up as a as a origin player. It, they people that do that aren't watching the game. Fafita owned him every time he ran at him. There was one, I think, one of them. He ran the other way. He nearly croaked at it. Um, but there, that so the edges are concerning. Uh, but they got through. Mitchell Pearce probably won in the game. Ponga got him close enough to get to that stage. They had the two best players on the field for at least the, the crucial parts of the time. Jaden Campbell definitely got something there. Uh, he still, you realize how much of a baby he still is, but. Very impressive uh, at this stage, and, and I hope they do strap a rocket to him and decide to make him the the first-choice fullback next year. Um, Fogarty was good for a lot of that first half, went a little bit missing, and I thought, but he wasn't anyone, I thought everyone went missing the last 20 minutes, and that cost them the game, pretty simply. and probably cost them their spot on the ladder. Uh, have I read this right, Barn?
1: Yeah, pretty much, mate. Um, the attack on both sides of the field, it, it coughed, it spluttered, it shit, farted, and then <laughs> just... You know, it fell apart so many times where there was good positions to put on attacking plays and someone would make a mistake or a ball to go to ground or it just, or they give it back on the inside or forward and take a three metre hit up and get tackled. It's, I don't understand what the game plan was for both teams for a big part of this game in their attack. Um a couple of the tries came directly from just bad one-on-one misses or bad reads in defence. Like so that one where Fafita just ran around the outside of breast, around the outside of the centre and scored in a corner. Like surely those two could have put a shot on him and they just sort of touched him as he ran past them. Um, yeah. Yeah. There's, there's a couple of big moment, momentum swings in this game. The 40-20 was one of them. That was... Um, Newcastle had been struggling to get into field position and that. 40-20 basically camped them down on the Titans line for the next 10, 20 minutes. And um, obviously points came off the back of that. Uh, Ponga, as you mentioned, was realistically the only attack, only spark in that night's attack. And the best try of the game was probably that little short ball that he gave to Pierce for Pierce's try. And and the problem for Newcastle is,
0: yeah, he's their best spark in attack, but he's not even getting put in good positions anymore. He has to get there himself and then make it himself now. He's floating around yeah. on both sides of the field rather than them
1: setting up. Any, Last year they'd at least sort of play around. that
0: sweep where they'd give him enough space to do something. Now he's got to we'll manufacture the space first. Them, yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah, absolutely. And um, the other biggest momentum swing in the game was actually that charge down. Like I know at the end of the day, he's doing the right thing by his team yeah. and trying to charge the ball down 40 metres out. But Newcastle get the ball back and then they go 20 metres upfield and they've got to, you know, Mitch Pearce doesn't really miss many twenty meters out right in front, so um, it was a great effort to get there to charge it down. But the fact that nobody was with him to try and help clean it up after he um, after he had charged it down to begin with was um, wasn't great for for the Titans. The um, the starting back row for the Knights were really good. Um, all three of them were really strong, uh, and the bench the Titans bench was immense you got, obviously, you got Mo and Fafita there, who probably should be starting, but they, they had a massive impact when they did come into the game. Um, Tino and Furmore. Firmo's actually done some really nice things over the last four to six weeks. And, yep. you know, he might get a few extra dollars in his next pay packet, so <laughs> we'll see what happens there. But neither back line covered themselves in glory at all. Uh, both sevens for each team were good, but... Knights back five made seven errors between them again. As we mentioned, the, the back line was, um, was in shambles a bit of this game. Ponga with three points, Pierce with two, and Fafita with one. I think it was pretty plain to see.
0: Um, yeah, I, I could have flipped him, but um, Ponga got him to the close enough if good enough, I guess. So I, I can't argue that. Um, yeah, just quickly, I didn't mention Mo's not going anywhere. You've got himself. him doing 2024. So kudos to you, Oliver. And, and, and building a building a good forward pack now with uh, Liu going in there and you picked up someone else I saw and I can't remember who it was
2: Aaron Booth.
0: Aaron Booth, from that's Melbourne.
1: correct from Melbourne. Yeah. Big uh, body. Yeah.
0: Also, just want to make mention of uh, yeah Fogarty nearly kicked seven hundred meters worth of uh, of Bilders kick meters, which yeah, is nice. which is tremendous. Six hundred and nearly ninety, I think it was. So um, he was out. Yeah, he, he's kicking actually. Probably had was a reason Titans to on top for so long in that first half. The more I think about it, um, yeah, I agree with you. Let's move on. Do we do we take anything from any of these teams going forward? They're just going to be fodder, aren't they? For whoever runs, fifth? if they play like that, they
1: are, yeah, absolutely. And uh, um, obviously, any team on their day, if they click and have a day out, could put you know, at least be competitive with some of them other teams, but they're going
0: to struggle. Raiders 28 beat the Warriors 16. Um, it was a reversal of the normal script where the Warriors faded, if anything. Yes. What does the stat say?
1: <laughs> three tries to five. Two out of three conversions played four out of five. A missed field goal by the Warriors and a missed penalty goal by Canberra. 76% completion played 75. 28 out of 37 sets for the Warriors. 33 out of 44 for the Raiders. 160 post-contact metres for uh, the Raiders. Two line breaks to four. 27 tackle busts to 44. Four offloads to eight. Uh, Force dropout for both teams. 381 tackles by the Warriors. Played 328. Two ruck infringements to zero. Two inside the tens to zero. Seven penalties conceded to four. Ten errors by the Warriors. 14 by the Raiders. Sirenoon with 54 tackles. Whitehead with 40. Montoya with 192 metres and Rappanar with a 286 metres. Ciro made 54 tackles, but he missed 10. Nikarima uh, missed six tackles. Uh, Hodgson missed seven, and White missed four. Rappanar with 124 supercoach points. Young with 102. Charns, Nickel, Clockstad with 90, and one other Raiders player before you get to Wade Egan on 72 supercoach points. All things being considered, has this been Rappanar's best season? Last Six weeks ago
0: yeah he was good early <laughs> on too, but he's been he's been their best player all year. I'd suggest um nice too, huh? consistently, but he had a, a, another great game uh but the game changed when uh chance came on yeah. uh we we uh maybe i don't think we were crit- ever critical of him, we suggested maybe he's more of a centre, but he was fantastic fresh and got involved um got canberra moving uh and and added another level of attack to him, which obviously they're able to cash in on this time. Uh I thought Mount Frawley was good uh more than serviceable uh as a as a half uh, <coughs> we've mentioned that before as well, and okay. warriors just seemed to you know Sullivan does a good job Townsends well chad uh but they had all the momentum had all the forward domination for probably half an hour and then just didn't <laughs> and that was it uh Reece Walsh is now starting to get a little bit exposed, and I, I get smashed a lot but I, it's at the point now. You watch these games and you think they're actually putting too tr- too much faith in in Reese Walsh. Yeah, um, I think assuming he's too much on him. They, they've yeah. already got thinking. They already think he's Caelan Ponga. Um, you and Aitken's transition to second row. He's, he's now one of the hot second rows. Uh, but yeah, beyond that, uh, an entertaining game. A game we don't take much out of. You'll probably analyse some of the, the individuals a bit better. Um, I guess we got cam we got the Canberra we've we sort of expected for most of the season, um, for, for the second half. what do you take from Ollie?
2: Oh yeah, I was a bit surprised with just how much the Warriors dropped off. I understand that Canberra probably would've got a rocket up their asses at halftime because their season was on the line, but um, I expected a bit more, bit more of a fight back from the Warriors. To be honest, I didn't expect them to concede 28 unanswered an points. But uh, you look at the individual performances of your Rappiners, your Hudson Youngs, and yeah, even Charles Nickel Clockstar uh, on return as well. And yeah, I, I believe to start the year as well, even before he got injured, I think we we're talking about how he just it was a bit off he wasn't necessarily playing bad but he was a bit off so maybe that sort of recovery from injury coming back that time off that that long period off may have actually helped him uh it'll be interesting to see how he continues from here at least next week possibly into the finals he could be a big return for Canberra um but other than that yeah a, a real disappointment from the Warriors and a real disappointing year. I had them in my eight to start the season. I know they've had injuries, et cetera, but they've always had an imposing forward pack, at least two, I'd say one to two players in their forwards who have been putting on monster performances each and every week, namely Adam for Blake when he's there, Our uh, resource has been good, not as good in recent weeks as we sort of touched on. Um, but, yeah, a bit of a disappointing year from the Warriors and a disappointing performance to sort of wrap it up. I hope they have another disappointing performance against a certain team um, this weekend.
1: Yeah, well, the question marks on the Warriors have always been their halves, especially coming into the start of this season. And, um, yeah, they've been very hot and cold um, and more often cold than hot. Um I think Reese Walsh might, might have actually papered over a couple of cracks in this Warriors team at the back end of the year, to be honest, um, especially with their attack, as I mentioned. Their halves just aren't doing the job for those guys. Their forward pack's getting through the middle and doing the job in the middle. Their edges are doing a serviceable job, but their halves have been, at times, um, very uninspiring in this Warriors team, so... Um, as I said, it was all thir- the first 30 minutes. It was just completely the Warriors. They completely dominated this game for 30 minutes. And I'll tell you what happened at the 27th minute. Lodge went off, and then in the 31st minute, Fenua Blake went off. And then for the next 20 to 25 minutes, they got absolutely creamed through the middle of the field. Um, I think the Raiders were actually waiting just to get weather that first storm. To be honest, from the from those two front rowers, and they seemed to step up a gear as soon as Fenua Blake took a foot off the sideline. They just absolutely lifted up an in intensity. Um, yeah, said they were, I, I thought they were completely gone. And then they came off and they they uh, lifted a gear. But having said that, the two Warriors' tries came directly from drop balls. Like there were bombs to the to corners and the Raiders basically gave them those first two tries to start the game. So it wasn't uh, the Warriors doing anything, which obviously I spoke to just a minute ago. But... Um, also. Yeah, the two front rows came off, released the middle for the Raiders and they just started to make metres on metres. And then, they, But the Raiders' back line has also just looked a lot smoother. They seem to move a lot better. They seemed a lot more um, in time with each other, whereas the Warriors have that thing where they get all clunky when it gets on the outside of the seven and blokes are running wrong angles and they're running into each other. And Yeah, so... <laughs> But uh, the
0: well, Raiders just, had. Oh, yeah, go sorry, on. just quickly, I was going to say, um, but Tomoko looks better every He looked good the whole way through, but uh, you, I don't think you can possibly play Croker in front of him.
1: Absolutely handful, year. and for a, a shorter bloke, he's pretty damn strong. But from what I can see, he seems to be able to throw you guys off and get in yeah. and around them. And yeah, he looks like a um, he looks like a very good prospect coming into next year. So there's something to be excited about if you're a Raider. I would imagine. Yeah, it's going to be hard for a Croker to get back in there but um, the Raiders had to fight and scrap to get back in and win this one. And they did it really well for the next, the last 50 minutes was all the Raiders realistically. Um, I know the Warriors came back and sort of scored towards the back end of the game, but they didn't, they look, just looked like the, you know, the Raiders piled on the points at the back end, but they looked like they were pretty much in control of this game. Once, uh, once the second half sort of kicked off and started going. So uh yeah. the, the, the two front rowers for the Warriors were really good. Obviously, um, O'Sullivan was as well. Serendon probably had his best game of the year, but he's only played about four, so that's, <laughs> there's not a lot you can do there. Curran, Curran was okay again, but not as good as he has been. Egan was the Warriors' best by far. Uh, Rappanar and Chance had a really big impact on this game. Um, they they seemed to trouble the Warriors pretty much every time they touched the ball. Young and Papali was uh, Papalihi were really strong again. Um, Young said... Put probably three or four really good performances back to back, which is what I was expecting from him from the start of the year. To be honest, um, a lot of us Chris tipped him to
0: be the breakout second round.
1: Yeah, yeah, and um, well, I think he was off with Ricky there for a while because he was in and out and all the rest of it. But who knows what happens? What happened there? We'll never find out. I don't think. Um, Sebastian Chris had one of his better games, and um, Whitehead was okay. So I had Rappaner with the three, Charles with two, and I gave Egan the one from the Warriors.
0: I'm fine with that. Uh, yeah, Farnell Blake would have been the other one for one. So, either or. Um, but Ollie,
2: yeah, happy with that.
0: It, it, the, just on the the Warriors halves as well. The it's it, we forget quickly. Like the the shadow of RTS leaving probably casts a fair one over over this team as well. It's a big mm-hmm. you couldn't Absolutely. can't take a player of his class out of any team and expect him not to still be. Still not be in that level So um, That's a big loss um, But you know They're done now So that, that, That'll be interesting Next year to see If Walsh can kick on Throw Johnson in They've got the The skeleton But we say it every year They've got the bones Of a of a good team next year
1: it be interesting to see If they play with Johnson But
0: um, Yeah Well because Nick Arim, Is Nick Arima Staying?
1: No, they just seem they seem a bit off him. He's on the bench, and then he's yeah. out of the team, and then he's back in the team. So I'm not sure what happens there. But.
0: Anyway, yeah. Um, now we get to the the game we touched on earlier: Rabbitohs 54 defeating the Roosters 12. We did suggest that the bow might be about to break for the Roosters, or oh, but Ollie who didn't, but um, <laughs> it did. And
1: Barney, what did the stats say before we get deeper into this? Yeah, two tries to nine, two out of two conversions. Played eight out of nine. One and one out of one penalty attempt for Souths. Seventy-four percent completion. Played eighty-four percent. Twenty-three out of thirty-one sets. Played thirty-eight out of forty-five, which is a big one. A uh, thousand extra run meters for the Rabbits and two hundred ninety uh-huh. extra post contact meters. One line break to eleven. Nineteen tackle busts to fifty-one. Eight offloads to thirteen. Three forced dropouts by the Rabbits. Uh, one inside the 10 to the Rabbits, Oh, against the Rabbits. Seven penalties conceded to two. 11 errors to eight. Uh, one Sinbin played two. Beryls with 60 tackles. Cook with 35. Tupu with 165 metres. And Nichols with 245 metres. <laughs> Fletcher Baker made 27 tackles, missed eight. Satilli again, his defence has gone AWOL for the last month. 28. Tackles and missed seven. Gay guy with 13, tackles missed two, was the worst for the South team. AJ with 125 supercoach points. Nichols with 116. Paulo with 112. Then you had the two other South players in the hundreds before you get the under Verrill's on 79. Roosters were basically never in this game. Um, their back line pretty much was non existent in this game. I don't think I've ever seen Teddy kept as quiet as he was. as as this game and nobody else in the back one really had an impact except for Manu until, obviously, we know what happened to Manu. Um, The the forwards couldn't get a go in the game either. They just got continually worked over. Um, Souths were just coming in behind the markers, angling back in into the middle of the ruck and just worked the roosters. Roosters were cooked after about half an hour in this game, I thought. Um, Souths dominated pretty much every part on the field, Uh, Beryl's was the Roosters' best, and he was probably he was as good, if not a slightly better, than Cook. But the only other ones that you could say matched their opponents would have been probably Butcher, Takiaho, and Manu. Other than that, the rest of them just isn't it funny?
0: Yeah, it, it felt to me Takiaho had a big game, but I'm just looking now. He only ran 111 meters. Um, I know they didn't have much ball,
1: but it felt like he, he was... did have a bit of impact. But yeah, they did, they didn't. They realistically, they had no ball for a good 30, 40 minutes of this game, and they couldn't do much about it. So, um as I said, they they were the guys that matched their rest of their numbers, but the rest of them just got dominated. Uh, Mark Nichols, as we as we like to name him, the Big Professor, he was just so fucking good. I love, you know, he, he just. For a tradesman to put a performance, an outstanding performance like that into a game, that was brilliant. And he's getting my man of the match, I'll tell you that right now. He <laughs> was the best player on the field, I thought. Um, Latrell was very good until he lost his head, and obviously we saw what happened. He was happened. pretty good afterwards too, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, Murray's just a legend. We, we talk about him week in and week out. I love the way that guy plays his footy. And Walker and AJ were, were quite good as well. And you can chuck gay guy in there as well. Your thoughts, Ollie.
2: Well, the mad professor. I, I have a theory. He's been listening to this show because <laughs> around the exact point in time where we just
1: gave that already. little bit of a dig to South yeah.
2: Sydney for not maybe having as good a four-pack as other teams or as strong a four-pack, he's just grown another leg and it's just been great all year. This is his best performance of the year, but honestly, this has been a great season it's for it's Marcus' started. origin. it's yeah, yeah. been great. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's been a great season for him. And yeah, he was... The benchmark in this game, like in a in a team full of superstars playing this well, scoring 54 points, he was far and above the best player in that team. And it was good to see, at least in my opinion anyway. Um, but what more can you really say about South Sydney? They were all great, really. The Roosters, it was, yeah, after Teddy's best performance of the season, I think we were saying last week, to dish that up in a big game against your local rivals, I thought was a bit odd. But then again, it wouldn't have. Wouldn't have helped when um uh, when Manu went off, you didn't have that extra bit of help there. So, yeah, th- there's not too much you can say. I guess good on Takiaho and Egan Butcher. I think had a a solid performance as well. But other than that, they were they were non-existent really. The roosters. You
0: mentioned we mentioned tradesmen in, in terms of nickels, but yeah, both those butcher boys are genuine first grade tradesmen. You can plug them in anywhere; they'll do a job. They they're good. They don't let anyone down.
1: And Fletcher Baker seems like he's got a little bit of X factor about him. He might grow into something, that kid.
0: Yeah. So, but we, we knew what they were missing. We knew they were or at least I felt they were on empty, and, and that was the case. That, you know, we, we got sort of what we expected to be dished up. I don't know if you can take much out of it. What I, well, actually, my biggest takeaway, because obviously Reynolds went off um, with that concern over his leg and then had to be rolled back out, and, and yeah. it was very much exposed. My biggest sort of takeaway from this game... Is this might be South's window because I don't think they can win a comp without Adam Reynolds.
1: Yeah, no one will get him around the field because like
0: this. That's right, but there's just uh, too many pumpkins leading if the... <laughs> South's biggest weakness is there's a few Pelicans in the team under pressure yeah, and get their head off. Yeah. yeah, and and that is a concern when next year they're gonna take him out and probably Benji out to a lesser extent. Mm-hmm. Um so who's going to be the one that actually grabs them and says, boys, we've got to just get our mind back on this. Let's kick into touch. Let's calm down. Because that's what we've seen. Walker plenty of times and Latrell, they keep revving higher and higher when they get into those. We have saw it against in that shitty game against the Bulldogs. We've seen it a few... T- the first game against the Bulldogs. Was that last
1: year? No, this year. It's a bit like that as well, too. Uh, so.
0: Gay guy, get, well, gay guy's going. But uh, you keep going all the way down. Uh, there is... Yeah, there's concerns. I assume probably Cam Murray captain's a team next year, so maybe that's a lot on him. Yeah, or Cook. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, there needs to be that voice because otherwise I, I think there's, they're a team that's going to win a lot of games by 50, but they're also a team that under pressure I can see cracking very quickly uh, time and again, to be honest. Uh, you're pretty fair, cool. You've yeah. touched on everything there. Uh, I th- you know, Roosters should be happy with where they've got to and should be happy with what's coming next season. Uh, and you've hit all the key points. Three points. We'll give it to the professor. Two points. Uh, from Cam Murray. I had Murray. Yeah. And a point to. Look, I still want to give points to Latrell because he was fantastic. I had Latrell or Verrill's. Um, yeah. Whether you discount him because of what happened and go. Well, with that's that's or a tough one because Luttrell. I thought Latrell for the 70 minutes on the field is absolutely fantastic. So maybe, yeah. that, maybe we knock him down from two to one um, and move on.
1: Yeah, so. Uh, We've got Nichols, Murray, Latrell
0: Yep And let's get And uh, send all your flack to our social media department (laughs) Let's get to the Dragons and the Cowboys 38-26 A game I was I should have been surprised by it But was
1: disappointed by the Dragons in the end But uh, Barney what does that say? Uh, where are we? We had five tries to seven, three out of five conversions played five out of seven, 68% completion played 74, 25 out of 37 sets played 28 out of 38, six line breaks to eight, 46 tackle busts to 34, 13 offloads to 11, two forced dropouts for both teams, 328 tackles played 304, two ruck infringements played three, four penalties conceded to five, 13 errors to 12, the Bellin made 46 tackles done with 30, Norman with 166 metres and Tomalolo with 209. Lomax made 15 tackles, missed four. Laurie missed four as well. Holmes made 11, missed six. Hampton missed six. There was another two Cowboys that missed six tackles also. Sullivan with 92 supercoach points. Sloan with 91. Ravalara with eight, uh, 90 and Dearden with 86. I
0: Yeah, I've, I was obviously watching this in between floating around a bit, but so I won't spend heaps on it. Uh, I thought dragons threw away a lot of momentum they had at various times. I, uh, I expect them to be a better team, but obviously I shouldn't be disappointed because they're running wherever they are. But I thought ultimately they they were very average and they just let Cowboys have their way with them. Um, yeah, well, I don't much more to say because uh, <laughs> apart from they've got some sparks of good stuff there in Sloan and uh, the other young fellow, Amone, and Amone. If they they can base yeah. a team, they're probably two years away realistically. But can build a team around that, and to have some smart and astute and potentially more players coming next year, you know, uh, and buy off the bench and whoever else, if nothing else, will give some advice to them. But uh, it would have been
1: better for the Dragons, I think, to have been running outside the eight halfway through the comp because these kids would have been mm. blooded, you know, six to eight weeks earlier than what they have been. Yeah. Because um, the slide's been horrible for the Dragons. They're in a position where they should have easily made the eight. Halfway through this comp, and they've just gone straight out the back door. Um, back and forth for about 10 minutes, and then Robson cracked them up the middle. As we've mentioned him time and time again, he's he's a super good uh, hooker, that young fella. He's about 26, so he's still got a few good I years he's left he's in him. He's the leading hooker in the comp for run meters. Yeah, right. It's fair, fair stat, isn't it? It is. Um, the next half an hour was all the Dragons. They were completely on top. They're young halves. Um, Sullivan was having a great game at of dummy half. Which is interesting because he's he's a pretty small fellow, but he was hitting, he was going all right in defence, and he was um giving the forwards a hard time out of the out of hooker there as well. So, um, and some some of their attack looked really good at times in that first uh, in that first half with Bird chiming in and Ravalawa was bouncing off guys, um, but the second half they just completely fell apart. I don't know what happened there. I feel sorry for Ben Hampton. I think his back's going to be completely stuffed for the next couple of weeks. <laughs> we made that break down the sideline and slowed down looking for his fullback and Ravalara just ran him down and absolutely smoked the poor bloke. <laughs> and that put Raver in a mood for the next 10 minutes. He was just running around shotting blokes left, right, so which was good to watch. Um, the Dragons bench offered sweet fuck all again, um, which is a constant theme out of this year for the Dragons. I thought the Dragons won the middle um, and Ravala was close to their best, but a couple of times in defense, he was close to the worst bloke on the field as well. So um, Sullivan was super good. Sloan, Sloan, as we said, has got something going on there. He could be a really good player coming into um, at the back end of next year. Dearden and Lukey were the best for the Cowboys, but the way that the Cowboys in that second half, it was obviously a to go straight to the centers and they absolutely tore the Dragons centers and wingers to shreds for about half an hour. They were just making every time they went down there with, um, hammer, hammer, so and, um, a couple of the other centers were just terrorizing the outside backs for the dragons and their defense was just completely at sea for about 20 minutes. And that's where all the Cowboys points came from. And it was, um, it was good clean ball from young Deaton who probably had the best game he's played in NRL and got his first win. So congratulations <laughs> to him. First win for the Cowboys, anyway. It was his first win no, it's ever. his first win in an RL, yeah.
2: Wow. Molly? <laughs> uh, as someone who um, boldly predicted the Dragons to have not too bad a season, this game in particular was just very disappointing. Um Being as respectful as I can be to the Cowboys, at this current state, no team should really be losing to the Cowboys the current way they are, and the Dragons were just... Woeful, in my opinion, in large parts, and allowing the Cowboys to get back in the game and then get that lead on them. Uh, I was a bit like Daggy I was sort of I was watching the game, but I mean, who who really cared about this game? But um, uh, Jason Tamalolo, uh at prop was interesting. Um, it was a good move at the start of the year. I suggested that maybe he should move. It's <laughs> not to say he's in a great lock and that he doesn't fit at lock for the Cowboys, but um, yeah, it was just interesting to see how he sort of went in the middle. Look, he pretty much played his same game, um, yeah. but as the prop, he plays sort, of, sort of as a prop anyway. But um, it's good to see, I guess, that at least worked this week. And, I mean, Ruben Cotter wasn't bad necessarily at lock, but I think if the Cowboys do want to persist with malolo at prop, they would need to bring in someone who they know is going to be an out-and-out lock for them.
1: Oh, you got that young Lukey was probably their best forward on the ground. I thought um, he looks like he's going to be. Um, I I'll put it out there. I think by this time next year it, we'll be talking about him as one of the best second rowers, locks running around in the game. Well, he's he's so. just that rangy sort of um, hard to tackle. Absolute effort. Thank he you. looks like he's got a, a big, bit of a um, yeah an offload in him. So yeah, he's,
0: yeah. Uh, yeah, give us some 3 2 ones here and let's move on.
1: Well, I had Lukey as my three. Yeah. I had Sullivan with two points and I gave Dean one. Very good. Yep. Let's get to five thirty, which was the Sharks,
0: 24, beating the Broncos. And again, not uh, an entertaining game. Um, and if nothing else, both teams for the last two months, of it, every time they step on a field, it's entertaining. I mm-hmm. uh, can't say I'm ever bored by either of these teams, uh, for better or worse. But uh, what did the stats say, Barn? And tell us where you think uh, Sharks are at on the other
1: side. Yeah, well, I thought the Broncos were the better team, to be honest. But it was four tries to three. Three out of four conversions played two out of three. Uh, missed field goal attempt and one out of one penalty goals for the Sharks. 76% completion played 75. 29 out of 38 sets played 27 out of 36. Five line breaks to the Sharks, seven to the Broncos. 30 tackle busts to 28. Ten offloads to 11. One forced dropout by the Sharks, three by the Broncos. 326 tackles played 315. Two ruck infringements by the Sharks, one inside the 10 played two. Two penalties conceded to six. Two sin bins by the Broncos. Braley with 40 tackles, Glenn with 33. Kennedy with 192 metres and Payne Haas with 253. It's not a Broncos game if he's not running 200 metres, is it? No. Trindle missed five tackles. Tracy and Ramian missed four. Kelly missed five and Reese Kennedy missed four. Uh, Milford with 93 supercoach points, Tessie New with 85, Kelly with 83 and Trindle with 80. Um, never really looked like a clear winner in this game. There was, um, you know, the, the game swung with momentum and poor defence meant that the momentum sort of shifted to either side. You know what I mean? Like there was some pretty bad some pretty easy breaks being made by both teams just off the back of some poor defence. Um, the two, two sin bins were the turning point in this game. The first one led to a, a stack of points for the Sharks and the second one I thought let the Sharks hang in for the last 10 to 15 minutes of this game when the Broncos were well and truly coming for them and I thought they were going to get run down at the back end of this game Um, and the fact that they had one extra player was probably the only reason that they didn't get run down I thought. So, um, Where am I at now? Uh, As I said, the Broncos were coming. There's some good signs from the Broncos with the young guys in there with um, Tessie New. uh, Hass and Milford were the best on ground. Tessie New just looked dangerous every time he got the ball and Herbie was pretty good out in the centres. Ramey and Nakora were the best two players for the Sharks. Tom and Kennedy and Katawa were pretty good. But other than that, as I said, I thought the Broncos were probably the better team in this one. Um, The Sharks' defence was a little bit better than it has been in previous weeks, which is probably the reason why they were able to just hang on. Normally they miss 30 to 40 tackles and they only missed, you know, 20 or they normally miss 40 to 50 tackles and they only missed 25 to 30 <laughs> at this one. So you know, a little, the, the middle was a little bit tighter and that was really the only difference. Um, Haas just leads them every week in that Broncos team and they look like they had a bit more strike than the Sharks at different times in this game. And I thought the Sharks were going to get beaten. So, Ollie, what do you take out of this? Uh, well, the 1-5 to five from both teams,
2: they sort of just ran rings around each other. And I think at the end of the day, that's, at, at least for Cronulla, their back fives, what got them the win in the end. Um, you know, not not only in terms of uh, running the ball and getting the metres, it's also sort of setting up and scoring tries as well. Um They were immense, especially when, in terms of running the ball, I don't think the forwards were as impactful as they've been most weeks for Cronulla Um, in that aspect. The the performance was uh, poor from Cronulla's forward pack. But again, like Payne Haas for the Broncos, just an absolute freak, freakish performance. Tessie knew a great game as well. And Anthony Milford, two weeks in a row, has had a really good game, and I, yeah, I'm not saying he's going to be able to keep up that form at South Sydney, or how things are going to go there, I'm not even saying he can keep it up next week, but it's just good to see him out there having a go and it looks like he's enjoying his football a bit again.
0: Well, isn't it funny what happens though, a bit of pressure, like yeah, take the pressure the, off. the million dollar price yeah. tags yeah. off, the pressure's off, he can now go to South and come off the bench for half an hour and look like a genius every week Uh and, and, and be a super sub now, potentially even play his way into a you know, if he plays at like this, he might end up starting before some of those other ones. But um, I, I said it a, f- a bit with some of these teams this week. I guess it's because it's all you've really got to look to. But, <coughs> again, there's the bones of something for Brisbane. We say it a lot. And, and sometimes we say this a lot, and it never comes to fruition as well. But uh, between Tessie new finding his feet more and more, Herbie, uh, the halves of Hooker, and and the new Fords all stepping up, uh, Brisbane... Can push towards that top, you know, nine, eight, seven easily next year. Uh, of particularly when you throw in a halfback that's going to kick five hundred meters a week and lead them all around. Um, yeah, I just don't know what to make of the sharks, but I think they're just one of those teams that they are who they are. And I try not to make anything of them. I just go, okay, they're going to play. <laughs> turn up, they're going to play how they play, and they're either going to look like shit or they're going to somehow score twenty eight points and win. They um, fight hard. Their middle yeah. is obviously a
1: bit soft. Hopefully next year with a few of the guys coming in, to will be a bit stronger. Paul McGinnis
0: will be massive. We've got some um, and Finucane.
1: Yeah. Finucane. You've got Nico Hines who might add a little bit of the connection with the outs because they've got some really good outside backs. But Isn't um, it
0: funny how a club can go and find exactly what they need and buy it? A couple of starch <laughs> forwards to give them some backbone. Wow. Who would have thought? Um, yeah. Do you, you know, Barn, do you take anything... Into the finals off this now? No, absolutely
1: not. They're gonna to have to be at their absolute best to compete with whoever runs fifth, and even then they'll probably still get done. Um yeah. At best they might scrape one win in the finals, and they if they play their best game they've played all year, and that'll be about it. But yeah, I can see them getting straight out of the finals. They've still got to make it yet, obviously. That's true. So <laughs> uh very good. You're three, two, one Bun. I had Haas, Milford, and uh, toss up between Ramian and New. They were both pretty much um pretty you know, some of the stronger outside backs for both sides. So Well, I feel like we should go Ramian because then we're gonna have um three Broncos the when the Sharks side. <laughs> but
2: um I thought New was better, so I'd personally go with New.
0: I sort of did, I sort of did too, so oh fuck it we'll go three two one to the Broncos. No, I the Ros- said Ros- I thought Rinkos. the Broncos were the better team. But, yeah. <laughs> and the big one out of the weekend though was the Eels, 22, ending the twenty, the 19-game winning streak of the Melbourne Storm, 10.
1: Uh, Barney, do you want to do the stats first as you tend to do? Two tries to four, one out of two conversions for the Storm, two out of four for Parramatta, missed field goal and one out of one penalty attempts for Parramatta. 69% completion played, 90% completion for the Eels. 29 out of 42 sets played, 37 out of 41, seven line breaks to four, 29 tackle bust to 34. 13 offloads to Melbourne, 7 to Parramatta. One force dropout by Melbourne. 376 tackles played 315. One ruck infringement to 4. Three inside the 10s played 2. Six penalties conceded by Melbourne, 3 by Parramatta. 20, uh, 12 errors played 11. Grant with 47 tackles. Lussick with 38. Munster with 189 metres. And Papali'i with 180. Munster missed five tackles and... Brown missed six tackles. Uh, Fergo with 82 supercage points. Dunster with 82 supercage points. And Lumi Lumi with 79. So I sort of afterwards was kicking myself
0: because I was quite critical of keeping an eye on, you know, Penrith's cracks and maybe foreshadowing them. And I probably got that right. Uh, And and I think they've fixed a lot of them now, obviously. But Mm -hmm. did we all... And we mention it every week how frantic at times Melbourne get and and those sort of things. Did we all miss this coming? And by no means did it, did I think Parramatta win the team to do it to them. Uh, but maybe in a way this is a loss they needed because uh, sometimes you don't generally address some of those things when you're winning. But uh, is it Barn or, is, <clears throat> or was this Parramatta just
1: improved no end and are now back? Well, they haven't been quite. Um, Melbourne obviously haven't been quite as good as they have been uh, probably the last three weeks or so. Um, but as, as we've actually mentioned, the, the attack going a bit side to side. And I thought the, the Melbourne halves ran the ball more than I've ever seen the, the pair of them, but I think they both ran 850 180 metres or something for both of them which tells me they're either having problems getting the ball out wide or they're not confident in the guys that are outside of them to take the ball. So, yeah. um, all had a bit of a shocker as well, which could sort of lead to that. But no, nah, I don't think so. I, I haven't seen the storm get sat in their seat outside and get run around the way that they got run around in this game. Um, The Parramatta's defensive effort as well. They they probably saved two or three tries. Their scramble was brilliant. Their effort across the field in pretty much every part of this game was great. And their attack was night and day compared to what they've served up for the last, what, month, two months. Um, As I mentioned, I don't think I've seen Melbourne stripped on an edge like on both sides of the field like that in two, three years. Um, I know there there was probably a few new... Defensive connections with Lumi Lumi out there, and then um, Josh Adokar went off, which um, sort of made him shuffle a few things around. And um, that's never going to help your defence. But the way that Parramatta, as we mentioned, Melbourne going side to side, Parramatta weren't going side to side. Parramatta were going direct, and they were picking players to run at, and they were getting within two or three steps of that player, and then deciding whether to continue running or passing. And they um, they sat a couple of guys in their seat, which made the ins- the outside defenders come in, or the opposite with the inside defenders go out. And they um they they gave Melbourne's defensive line that many problems on the outside edges, and they just continued to score tries in the corner. It was um it was extremely impressive. Uh, Moses' kicking game came back. I, his kicking game hasn't been great. It's never been bad, but he was his kicking passing game was. Absolutely on point. I don't think I saw him do, uh, throw a pass or put a kick up that wasn't close to, you know, as good as you could possibly do in the position he was in. I don't know where that came from and why why he just clicked, absolutely clicked into gear in this game. But he was, um, yeah, he was brilliant. And as I said, I, d- I, d- I haven't seen the, the defence get stripped like that. There. And Melbourne's attack was disjointed on both sides. Um, I don't think Pappenhausen's helping them, to be honest. I think they were in a groove with uh, with uh, Nico back there and now they've, they're have they sort of readjusted to the way they play because Nico plays more on that sweep play, whereas Pappy plays more towards a bit more direct and back through the middle and different angles than what... Yeah, Papi what relies on, on the Someone rock. giving him yeah. a hole rather like, than Nico yeah. where he sweeps and creates holes for other players yeah. or himself. Yeah. Um, and uh, disjointed their attack a bit. Um, obviously, they have got a week or two to fix it. Resting all the players isn't going to help, but pro- it's probably gonna, they've got a week. Or- you know, win or lose, they'll still be there for the second week of the finals. So they've got a couple of weeks to fix it up. But there's there's a couple of um, couple of issues there that Melbourne do need to address. Um, Papali'i absolutely regained his form. He was back to that beast mode that he was in, you know, a month ago. Um, and Paulo probably had his best game of the year. I've been at times critical of him during the year that he hasn't been putting out what we're used <laughs> to him putting out, but he was um, he was really good. As I said, Moses was absolutely pulling the strings, and Dylan Brown was probably his best game of the year. But yeah, other than that, I didn't... any um, other any Ollie, other did thoughts, ta- What do you take out of this?
2: Yeah, well, I've said multiple times before, if you're any chance of beating Melbourne, you've got to at least stay within arm's length, so to say, for that first 20 minutes. If you can't do that, then Melbourne usually go on and they usually beat teams by a lot. Not only did Parramatta stay with Melbourne... They were better than Melbourne, I thought, for that first 20 minutes. They came out firing, got in Melbourne's face, sort of shook them up a bit, and that sort of laid the foundation for the rest of the game. Of course, there was that period where Melbourne were able to get back into the game a bit. Um, They got the lead towards the end of the first half, which Parramatta got back. But they weathered that storm well as as well, the Eels. um, The only other... Two teams I've seen do it, funnily enough. Well, one team is Penrith in round three, three in the Eels, again in round two, of course, uh, that really wet, rainy game. And it was sort of a, a similar performance from the Eels, I thought, sort of getting at them early. And I think that's what Parramatta have worked out about Melbourne. you, you just got to come out all guns blazing, not necessarily play too conservative, which I think is the idea that a few teams get into, okay, we go play conservative, not try anything because Melbourne will hit us, but you do sort of have to go at them um, to to give them that bit of a shock. And Parramatta did that and they ended up going on to win. Uh, There wasn't really a bad performance from an Eels player. I thought none in particular, at least anyway, in this game, of course, your papalities were immense and Bryce Cartwright coming off the bench. I thought the bench for Parramatta as well, um, Played relatively well in terms of Cartwright. And when Makatoa came on, I've brought him up over the past couple of weeks as being the only good player in a bad Parramatta side. Well, he sort of kept up that form, and it obviously helps when the rest of the side are doing their job as well. Um, so, yeah, that's what I can really take away from this game. Are Parra going to continue? Well, if they get a win over Penrith, they'll be the hot side heading into the finals. Can they, though? <sighs>
0: They're not even trying, so know. it doesn't matter. And and I and, and maybe missing <laughs> a trick there, to be honest. Um, yeah, they've they've to named a reserve that great team. On. Yeah, but um, yeah, in terms of as I said, maybe we missed what was before our eyes. In terms of the Cowboys put what twelve or eighteen on them early. Uh, the Titans did, uh, Can- Canberra did, uh, all the way through, and they're able to get out of jail. But um, you can't always do it. And I, th- you know, to be honest, I think they need to look at. Starting Nico uh, and
2: mm-hmm.
0: and trying to just keep the rhythm they've been in. Uh, they missed that and starting Cheese and and that, keeping that was the
1: one thing I was going to mention. They they didn't have that that one two punch out of the dummy half. They didn't have that extra gear to go to where they take Cheese, move him into the back row, and then yeah. Harry comes on. Harry was flat towards the back end of the game and looked gassed. Probably a good thing going forward to get a bit more you know a bit yeah, more get out, in for the yep. you know. Next couple of weeks, uh,
0: and obviously getting uh Nelson and Fanukin back will straighten up a little bit better as well. But, of course, yeah. um, uh, yeah, I the mean, end of the day, what do we take out of it? I guess I think all teams just look at it and go, Oh, maybe they're not unbeatable, and maybe Absolutely. this, maybe we've we, trumpeted a bit, and maybe it's just a shit comp and they had a good run. Uh, but so, uh, uh power do we go back and say, Right, power are finals chances, or is this an anomaly or, or grand final chance?
1: They're a chance of maybe winning a final this year. If they play like this, they will. Is <laughs> uh,
0: which is <laughs> but, the first time in
2: what, since oh9 or something? Um, oh, You can't forget they beat Brisbane 58 now or whatever it yeah, was true, a couple of years back.
0: Uh, so, yeah, they're the first team uh, since the West Tigers to beat Melbourne twice in a year. And last time they beat Melbourne twice, uh, they made the grand final. So, we'll see what that all means. Down the road, uh, yeah, if th- you, you've... Now, the the para-players, if they turn up and play like this, and it's a big gift because we need to see. I, I think they've missed a the trick by not trying to at least give it to Penrith because they're giving Penrith mm-hmm. a walkthrough. Penrith can now play a better team and not have any risk of it. They can take players off after 20 minutes now, uh, whereas yeah, they absolutely. could have at least lit a bit of a fire. But edge to their and own. If each they...
1: win and they're not a chance of winning the... Um... Winning the minor premiership, they might have been drag players out of the starting lineup. Yeah, that, honest, that's but. right. They haven't actually played yet, have they? So we'll wait and see mm. who takes the field.
0: Yeah. Uh, so very interesting. I guess it it, it peaks if Storm had a won the other way round, we'd all be sitting and going Storm are probably morals, yeah. and it's a bit boring. So, yeah.
1: well, Paramount, A supporter, I'd be pretty excited. Uh, there were some good things to see out of that game. Well, BA's yeah, uh, still got can a job put now. It together for four weeks after six them, weeks of wanting his head. He's back. <laughs> Brad Arthur. They're gonna have to do it for another five weeks in a row, but yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, we'll see. I guess we're gonna see. Uh three two he two to Moses, one to Gutho, or you're going different order.
1: Let's just find where I am and on my page. <laughs> I'm looking at the whole different spot on the page. That's not good. Uh yeah, Papa Lee with three, Moses with two, and I gave Munster one. Ollie? Yeah, happy with that. Which one?
2: Uh, Barney. <laughs> okay.
0: Uh, the Seagulls 36 against a brave Bulldogs 18, the, the theme of the two Sunday games. Uh, was it both everyone held a bit longer than they thought they might? What the stats say here, Barney?
1: Well, most teams put in a pretty respectful... I think every team put in a pretty respectful effort this round. It was, actually, is, a, you know, different bracket, it was actually a to, good round of yeah, footy. There was no shit game. Uh, six tries to three, five out of six conversions played three out of three for the dogs, and one out of one penalty attempts for Manly. 73% completion played 82%, 33 out of 45 sets played 27 out of 33, 180 extra post contact meters for Manly, seven line breaks to five, 37 tackle busts to 12, 11 offloads to 10, four force dropouts to one, 264 tackles played 310. Two ruck infringements from either side. One inside the 10, played four. Four penalties conceded six. 11 errors to seven. One sin bin. Uh, who, which side was that, that? Got sin bin. Anyway, Ola Katow with 31 tackles. Jackson with 35. Tom with 260 metres. And Jackson with 150 metres. Harper was the worst for Manly. <laughs> Made 11 tackles, missed two. Brennan Wacom missed seven tackles and made 23. Aloha got Simbin, sorry. Yeah, sorry. Yes, it did. Shoop missed six tackles. Tommy with 170 supercoach points. DCE with 132. And Jackson with 96. Well,
0: yeah, Bulldogs tried very hard. They weren't, they're weren't. they not mm-hmm. as good a team. Uh, the better team won because they had the best player in the comp turn up for 20 minutes in the second half. <laughs> uh, Ola Kawatu Ola is a fantastic second rower. Uh, do I need to say much more? <laughs>
1: Much else to take from this? No, there's not a lot much to say really. Um, as said, as you said, stronger effort from the dogs. Uh, a little more strike in that team. Um, you know, if they created a few more line breaks and tackle busts. they could very well have um, upset Manly in this game. But I love the effort in out of the dogs. in their defence was probably the strongest I think I've seen it this year. They're actually hitting people, which they don't do that often, which was. Um, Good to see out of the Bulldogs. mainly seemed very unorganised, especially in that first half. And their attack just didn't seem deep enough. Um, normally they they get really deep and they run onto the ball with that sweet play outside. But they seemed to be playing very flat against the Dogs. And it caused people to run into each other and um, you know get in the way of each other, which um, just their timing was was not good. It took them an hour, but the timing did come back. I thought it actually started with Kieran Foran. Mm -hmm. Um, The way that he was straightening, he decided to start straightening the attack up on his own. He was stepping back off the left and um, most of the time he was getting his nose through the line or getting through the line and then getting a quick play the ball for Schuster and Tommy to play off the back of. Um, I thought he was really good. The stats obviously don't belie how good he was, I thought, in this game, to be honest. Um, And then they just started to select, you know, the right, right positions, the right guy to hit Tommy, give him space, and then they just started... Started scoring tries, um, that Tommy try was definitely not a try. <laughs> I don't care who you are. <laughs> if you're a Manly fan or a no. Dogs fan, you, you can't tell me he got that ball down. He lost that ball every day of the week. Um, Josh Jackson was the best for the Dogs. We, we say that week after week. Um, there's not much else that you can say for the Dogs, really. Dury was going well for them until he got injured. Um, Flanagan, again, was going pretty well until he got um. But, uh he had a bit of an injury at the back end of this game as well but um Okenbore and Meany seemed pretty dangerous at different times when they did get some good clean ball as, as always tommy dce Katow, Jake they're just you know the backbone of this team mar I thought was pretty good was and good. as was Dylan Walker which is unusual for Dylan Walker <laughs> now he's been
0: since he's come back from injury i
1: think he's been good since off the they've bench. been playing him off the
0: bench yeah, yeah he's been he, been he off
1: the seems bench. to been going all right yeah
0: I think because he can just have one idea and go right. I'm just going to run today, or I'm going to spread. Yeah, the but point.
1: he's been playing a bit more like a back rower as well, yeah, which is yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I think's been good for him. Yep. So. Ollie, Ollie, anything else? Oh, I
2: just wanted to praise Manly's four pack. I know you essentially already have Barney, but I thought this was the most impact that they've had on a game that Tommy's played in all year. There have been a couple of games where Tommy's been out where they've had to step up, step up, and they have done so. Um, I I guess we could sort of say that Tommy was out of this game for a bit as well uh, at the start, and then he really kicked into gear um, and scored three tries and essentially won in the game. But, yeah, that four-pack kept Manly in the game, and I I just thought they were solid all around.
0: Yeah, three three to... Do we have to give it a turbo? Two to... Tom, DCE, Jackson. Okay. Yeah, let's move on. (laughs) Uh, The Tigers... uh, The Panthers, 30, defeated the Tigers, 16... Uh, in maybe a closer game than a lot of people expected.
1: What did the stats say? Yeah, five tries to three. Five out of five conversions played two out of three. 63% completion played 82% from the Tigers. 27 out of 43 sets played 31 out of 38. 200-plus post-contact metres for the Panthers. Seven line breaks to three. 46 tackle busts to 29. 10 offloads to 11. Two forced dropouts by Penrith. 353 tackles played 362. Four ruck infringements by Penrith, one by the Tigers. One inside the 10 to zero. Two penalties conceded to five. 17 errors by the Panthers, eight by the Tigers. Appy made 51 tackles. Twal made 50. Brian To'o with 295 metres. And uh, Kenny Mamalo with 150. Luai missed four tackles, made 16. Cleary missed six and made 21. Moses Embi made seven tackles and missed five. And Brooks missed eight tackles. Kikau with 121 supercoach points, Cleary with 100, Brian Toto with 94, and Stefano with 83. Ollie, what do you think?
2: Uh, well, I thought um, Brian Toto was a little rusty on his return, didn't even run for 300 metres. Uh, yeah. How dare he? A bit disappointing there. Obviously, I think he was leading the race, at least at the start of the year, for the DAG-EMs. Possibly, I think he was up around there when we went behind closed doors as well. Obviously, the time off wouldn't have helped him. But, yeah, a great return performance. And I think the same's got to be said for Fisher-Harris as well. He wasn't as in- impactful, but he still had a good game. And uh, off the bench to beat Penguin Jr. certainly made up for... Um, anything that fish might have been lacking upon his return and kick out <coughs> the past couple of weeks, just some monstrous performances. He's in form at the exact right time heading into the finals. Um, and it's a bit hard for the Tigers to win this game when there are, I think it was in total three, maybe four, no, three Paneriff players running far over 200 meters and multiple running over for a hundred. It's, it's a bit hard to stop that onslaught, but to the Tigers credit, they, played better than (coughs) I was predicting them to. Um, I thought this was going to be an absolute space job for Penrith, but they sort of hung in there. Um, But, yeah, end of the day, class prevails.
0: Yeah, well, I was very proud of the Tigers' scramble for a lot of it because they were just being outclassed for for all that first half and they uh, were brave if they'd turned up and defended like that. saved a few. If they defend like that all year, they'd probably be running eighth, uh, if not higher. But... Uh, ultimately, yeah, class prevailed. It can't be underestimated. Oh, very quickly, last on the Tigers, yeah, they were great. But again, there's a the bones of things there now that Ot- uh playing big minutes. blaws had more time under his belt. Uh, the, you know, they're guys you can build a pack around. They they do need to find a. You know, he'd love to find a Luke Thompson or someone just to, to help him out a little yeah, bit more. Yeah, a leader
1: would help that. But um,
0: unfortunately, Tom hasn't necessarily been out this year. Uh, and I thought Jock Madden, for the situation he was put in, was great. Uh, his kicking was yep. better than anything we've probably had all year, uh, apart from some of the games where Dewey's bombed teams into a bit of trouble. But he he uh, he kicked really well. He And I've been very excited to see what he can do with a bit more ball against the Bulldogs this week because I think he is a genuine option as a, as a 7 or a 6 next year. But um, to Penrith, it can't be underestimated what a fantastic signing at this time of year to Tevita Pengai <laughs> is. You've taken arguably who was, for the first 10 rounds, the best forward in the comp and put him into the team that was the best team in the comp. Um, every time he's stepped on the field for him in the last, there's um, been two games or three, two... He's been outstanding. He's changed... He's ended the tide. And it's actually brought the... Like, whether or not Kikau thinks he's playing for a spot or whether it's just lifting Kickout. it's brought out the best from Kickout too. And that's their two destructive weapons that Penrith have now that they didn't have through that whole early run. And that's scary when you're setting, you're setting up Nathan Cleary. Luai ran the ball more and looked a bit better. Uh, maybe that's all yeah. just rhythm and, and having his partner back there. Uh, but scary. And 2 you know, is a freak, so... Scary signs, probably, you know, probably rightfully they can be considered favourite and it wouldn't surprise me at all if Tamita Pengai featured heavily
1: in our Player of the Finals chat in six weeks' time, Barn. Absolutely wouldn't surprise me either, mate. He was absolutely immense and he was only on the field for half an hour, but he was destructive. He was just ripping and tearing and pushing blokes off, scoring tries, smashing blokes in defence. He's... Um, the work he's done for Penriff so far. He's only, I think he's only played a little bit over an hour, but that, that hour has been very good football. Mm-hmm. So um, Cleary with the circus tricks for that first try, bending it around a oh. corner into the post for Leota to score, and he kicked it and that they hard. It he kicked it that hard. There was no way he wasn't aiming for the post. It so. was a soccer. It was like a soccer punt. It was. <laughs> it was um, that that kid's got all the tricks, and he's definitely one of the most skilled halfbacks in the game. Um, I would imagine the Panthers' coach wouldn't be real happy with the, tri- the three tries that the Tigers scored. To be honest, yeah, they were pretty um, soft. Yeah. There were there was two. One straight out of dummy half who just crashed over the line. The other one um, what was it Simkins? Was it? Or little, uh, little just went straight little through just the. Just absolutely rapid, yeah. split him up the guts, and both Marcus missed him, and both front rowers that were in behind yeah. the Marcus missed him as well. <laughs> so he just ran straight past four blokes. And then that last kick that Edwards didn't even try to get anywhere near, he just watched it bounce and then it comes back to the Tigers and they score in the corner. So I think they might have got a bit of a kick in the ass after that. But um, Tigers fought really hard, as you mentioned. Stefano and Luciano, to, uh, add, add in Sean Bloor, as you mentioned, there's a skeleton of a pack there. They get one or two guys in and around that team. Um, Garner at times too is obviously up there. So... Hmm. They've got something in that pack. They probably need one or two more. Um, Nofo was actually pretty good in this game. Um, yeah, I
0: think it's pretty much his best game that I can think yeah. of. His, um, his defence and his scramble is
1: fantastic. Obviously, um, we didn't mention Twial either, who's just yeah. an absolute workhorse um, in that pack. So there's something there for the Tigers. Um, Kikau was just on. When, when that bloke's on, he's just... Imagine trying to stop him. He's running at you. <laughs> no <laughs> thanks. Someone else can sign up for that job because I don't want it. Um,
0: and they can now is- isolate blokes on both sides of the field with him and Penga. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Imagine if <laughs> one of them right jump and around up. and they both yeah. go together. Yeah. <laughs> Surely Scary. there's a play coming in the finals where one of them just circles around the field off a short ball off Luai and then kick-outs on his inside or his outside yeah. or something. Wow. Yeah, good luck with that. Um, Tua is just a machine. He just... He must have like quads made of steel or something because he just doesn't stop running. That like um, Martin was really good as well. Uh, probably one of his better games of the year. And as you mentioned, Luai just he just seemed to be in a rhythm and he was he was much more involved. So I had kick out with the three points, Cleary with two, and Toto with one.
0: Yep. Um, yeah. I'm happy to give Pengo yeah. one there, but that's fine. Give it to Biza. Yeah.
2: Give it to the. Um. It's, it's
0: been a while. And I will say, you know who no one noticed. Wasn't on the field for 80 minutes. Charlie Staines. <laughs> anyway. No, well, they've got it right. They've got Burton in, who's another weapon. And they mm-hmm. can just push. Um, have either Crichton on the wing, because is a pretty good defensive centre. I'll have Momorowski on the wing. It's the right... They've got the right team. This was their grand final team, I'd suggest. And it's a pretty scary one. Yeah, absolutely. Peanut uh, pot plant of the week. Do you have one, people? Because I... Have to think of one
2: yeah i'm <laughs> gonna pot plant the roosters apart from about two players because uh, as we like to say you could probably um put a pot plant up, out on the field and that wouldn't be too different a, um, an outcome
1: as i mentioned last week i can't do that to the roosters they're ex- absolutely digging through the bottom of their barrels so yeah. <laughs> um i've gone with tommy to uh i think he's had one or two mentions this year but he had nine runs for 70 meters Missed eight tackles and um, and an error. And also, the social media idiots that want to get on board this crap and start sending people death threats. Just go and be happy or something. <laughs> or make everyone else
0: happy and get off social media. <laughs> uh, I might pop plant. I've just forgotten his name. Who was I going to pop plant?
2: It anyway. tends to happen with pop plants.
0: <laughs> uh, oh, um,. Anyway, yeah, slap of the week, I'll think of it. Uh, (laughs) I will slap Luttrell. He deserves it. Uh, I've slapped him before, actually, out of love, but, yeah, just to pull his head back in and and be the player he can be for me.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, I'll second that. But I'm also going to slap the Storm for giving up the, the record. They could have had the record this week, and they've given joy to Parramatta supporters, which is one thing I do not enjoy. Also, I'm gonna pop plant Bradman best. There you go. I just remembered. <laughs> uh
0: All yeah, right. for his whatever, eight missed tackles and running scared of David Rafita. <laughs>
2: I'm um I'm I'm gonna slap that um no good bastard Mitchell Pierce for kicking that first goal. <laughs> Damn you, Pierce. Um yeah, I'm gonna slap him as hard as I can and he probably won't feel it and would probably <laughs> knock me out. But still, Excuse me, what are you what doing?
0: Do. Sure <laughs> it's not the first time he's been slapped, but guess what? I'm gonna salute him just for that same reason. Oh, uh, but just because he pretty much won him the back end of that game and there's a number of and know you like, there's a number of first grade teams that would be much better off with him in it, I would suggest. So, I'm
1: going to salute the giant professor who was always coming. 43 minutes, two tries, 24 hit-ups, 245 metres, 94 post-contact metres, four tackle busts, two line breaks. Ah, you go the professor. And a partridge in a pen. <laughs>
2: <laughs> 20-odd win... tackles
1: without a miss. Yeah, fuck me. If he doesn't
2: win the Dalian medal, then it's surely rigged. Um, I will go for my salute uh, to the great man, Josh Morris. Um, mm. salute his wonderful career we spoke yeah. about him before but obviously retiring top 10 all time try scorers and one of the last great defensive centres salute to Josh Morris
0: good call alright it's been footy and Frothy's, our review show thanks everyone for listening jump on and if you haven't already give us a subscribe and a follow on all our socials as well as uh, leave some mm-hmm. feedback on Spotify and iTunes and we'll be back very shortly with our preview show